Welcome to Life as a Freelance Writer, the content podcast, where I will show up weekly to share with you what I've learned as a writer, a freelancer, and a business owner. My purpose is to inform and educate, so I want to help you get the most out of yourself, whether you are a writer, an entrepreneur, or anything in between. Join me as I share my top tips, my struggles, and my triumphs to hopefully inspire or just entertain. Remember, content is king, and that's why I love being the content queen. Hello, gang. How are we all going? Um, you know, as recording this podcast, it is Friday, March 27. So by the time it comes out, things might have changed dramatically. It, we're taking it day by day. We're all in it together. Um, things are starting to feel a little bit more normal. And I put normal in air quotation marks because it's the normal for what we're experiencing right now. But I just want to take some time to really empathize with those that have lost their jobs um, or have lost a loved one. Like I am from the deepest part of my heart honestly thinking and hurting for you guys so much um we're all in this together so if you ever feel alone just reach out um you know hashtag be kind be kind to everyone and let's just support everyone on this incredibly strange journey right now can't express how important it is just to surround yourself with you know amazing people in your life and that's just what's helped me over the last you know couple of weeks or couple of days even uh last week I was uh, pretty broken um just, you know, I felt like I'd been heartbroken and, you know, I've picked myself back up. I've realized that I'm in, I'm quite fortunate. I'm grateful and not as many people are in the situations I am. So if I can try and uplift as many people as I can with my good spirits, uh, that'll just go a long way into helping everyone else out. So please reach out if you just need to chat. Um, I am here for you. Um, but I'm not moving back home as I thought I was. Um, I'm just going to write it out here for a bit. Um, try and keep my distance away from everyone as much as possible. Um, but you know, social distancing or physical distancing, we're calling it, is really, really, excuse my French, fucking getting to me. Like I, I live across the road from a gym park and I know gyms are closed in Australia now People are going to these parks that are outside. They're not sanitizing. They're around people that they don't know. It's really getting to me. I know we need exercise. Just go for a walk. Don't touch anything. Don't touch anyone and just go for a walk if you need to. Obviously, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll probably be in lockdown. So I don't really know what that looks like. But honestly, I don't want to be held responsible for my ignorance. I don't want to be held responsible for someone that I know or I love or whatever, losing their job, getting sick because I didn't do the right thing. So if you can honestly say, hand on your heart, that you've done what you can to help people by distancing, then that's amazing. But please, just social distance. Like I know we've all probably been a little bit ignorant to begin with with this, but now we know it's serious and now we need to really start thinking about what we're doing. It's taken us all some time and that's okay. If you're still not there yet, it's fine. Just you know, try and do your bit as much as you can. Now it's just getting to the point where things are shifting. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I just wanted to make that super, super important. And like, I, I heard this thing, like, you know, most of us uh, know someone that went to war or had family that went to war and we're just getting asked to sit on the couch. So just sit on the couch, please. Just sit on the couch. So much you can be doing. There's so many courses out there at the moment. You know, people are doing like, I've got um, after work drinks with my work, like from Zoom. How exciting. I'm so excited about that. So Think about what you can do to social distance and how you can still connect with your friends or should I say physical distance. You know, like at the moment I'm shifting my business to do a little bit more online. Whether I launch anything right now, I'm just like 
trying to get it all together because I've got time. Obviously, my online workshop's going to be soon. It was always going to be online at some degree. Now the physical event has been cancelled. I'm doing it all online for everyone. I will put a link below if you do want to sign up for the wait list. I haven't really set a date. I haven't really done anything on it right now as I've speaking now, but hopefully over the weekend I will start doing some more on it so you guys can start you know, looking at a content strategy because content strategy now for your business is more important than ever. How you communicate now, as I said last week, will set you up for how you're seen for a long time in your business. If you're not reacting in the right ways, if you're not being ethical, if you're not responding or doing something to help the community, then your business is going to get impacted. Of course, we all have to shut down at some stage, but what does that look like? How can you still communicate? Um, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. So a content marketing strategy will be exactly the types of things that you need. Or if you just you just want to take a step back for now, what does that look like when you pick up your business again? Start fresh. So um, I think the content marketing strategy will really help you guys. If you want to know more, um, I'll put a link in the bio. Hopefully by the time this comes out, I've done more about it. So yeah, that's all I want to say about that. Now we're going to talk about email marketing which might be also a good time to start uplifting your email marketing. Um, I had this chat with Anna Rogan um, last Friday, so a week ago from today. Um, I really loved chatting with her. It was awesome. She had so, so much knowledge. So for those who don't know who Anna Rogan is, she is actually an olive farmer in country Victoria, which I love this. But she describes herself as a stubbornly creative copywriter who specializes in personality-driven websites and email copy for small business owners. Anna knows that running a business is a bit like is a bit like tending an olive farm. It takes grit, determination, and a whole lot of heart. She uses her strategy and research skills to understand the annoyance of her clients' businesses and taps into her creativity to write copy that is easily to understand and also enjoyable. And that does its job to convert readers to buyers, which is exactly what we want. Anna has a BA in psychology and a postgrad in writing and a decade-long career in comms and media roles for some pretty big brands that she's got under her belt. But these days, she's mainly writes for purpose-driven, heart-led, socially conscious small business owners and entrepreneurs. So let's chat to Anna. I'm sure you will love what she has to say. I'm really excited about this one. Thank you so much for joining me. Can you please just tell us a little bit more about yourself and your business? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm Anna Rogan and my business name is Anna Rogan. I always feel a bit awkward <laughs> saying that, but it keeps things nice and simple. Um, I'm a copywriter that specialises in website and email copywriting for small businesses. And I'm all about using conversion tactics and consumer psychology to ethically engage audiences. Um, so nothing sleazy, manipulative, misleading um, or otherwise gross. <laughs> and I love connecting brands with their people. So for me, that connection is really the juice of life. Um, and I live on an olive farm and I have two Amazing. young kids. We're out the sticks. Yeah, so that keeps me pretty busy when I'm not copywriting. That's amazing. Such a diverse life from being on an olive farm to copywriting. I love it. So um, I guess what's kind of come up in, you know, my audience at the moment is obviously, yeah, email copy, email marketing. So what do you think are the number one struggles when it comes to email marketing? Yeah, I hear a lot of 
um, what do I write about and also how do I get people to open my emails or how do I, imp- how do I improve my open rates? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that pressure to create consistently amazing content across all your marketing channels is really real for small businesses in particular. Um, you know, I think a lot of fi- small businesses find it a bit frustrating to market themselves. They have can be quite time poor mm-hmm. um, and they really want to get back to what they're doing well, but they n- know that they need to be talking to their audiences. Um, yeah, so that, they're the kind of things that I think I see the most really. Yeah, yeah, no, couldn't agree more. I think it's like open rate is a massive one. And I guess that like kind of leads in, you know, to my next question where a lot of people who think email marketing is dead because I guess the open rates can be quite low um, or, you know, they can't be bothered with email marketing because of that reason. And what would you say to them, to the people that think, you know, I'm not going to worry about email marketing, you know, it's dead, no one's opening it. Um, what are the kinds of things that you would be saying to these type of clients or people out there, you know, not really interested in the whole email marketing um, type, I guess, platform? Yeah, I just encourage them to think about the opportunity that is there. So, um, you know, anybody that has an email inbox knows (laughs) and which is all of us um, (laughs) knows what it's like to get to get a whole bunch of emails every single day. Um, and the challenge for marketers and small businesses is is making emails interesting enough and engaging enough and making subject lines compelling enough for people to actually want to open and then providing value so that when they do open them, they're more likely to open them again the next time because they know that what's inside is really great. Um, you know, a lot of, I think anything in marketing comes with its challenges so while open rates might be a challenge with um, email marketing if you're talking about seo or social media marketing well then you've got a challenge of the algorithm and will people even see your content and are the kind of people is the kind of people that are seeing but whatever I don't know what the grammatically correct way to say that sentence is but the people that are seeing your content are they your ideal client? You know, yes, all the people that are liking your your content, are they the kind of people that are actually going to buy from you? And what we know when we look at the data behind email marketing is that the stats really back it up in terms of it being one of the most effective tools um, in your marketing arsenal. So Campaign Monitor, a pretty reputable, um, credible source of data around marketing and they say that email is 40 times more effective at acquiring new customers than Facebook or Twitter Um, and that for every one dollar spent on email marketing um, generates 44 dollars in return on investment so they're there's some pretty compelling figures Um, so yeah while you do have the challenge of getting people on your list you know, getting them to open and then keeping them there. Um, all, all marketing comes with some kind of effort and I think that email marketing is a really important part of the mix. Yeah, it's so interesting. Those stats are incredible because, like, um, you know, I've, I've said this before too, you know, on your Instagram, you'll have people following you all the time that might just be following you because they've got a bot behind it, they've got, you know, different tactics. They might just be following you because they liked an image of your holiday to wherever in the world they're not actually you know 
engaging with your content because they want to buy from you. So those that have taken the time to actually subscribe to your list are going to be a lot more aligned. So it's, it's really interesting. I think we forget about that when we're, um, you know, doing all of our marketing strategy, email marketing kind of gets pushed to the side a little bit because you've got all these fancy, you know, social media where you can reach more people like quicker. But in terms of email marketing, it's so aligned to, you know, the people that you want to attract. So I think, you know, I'm guilty of this too. Like I literally was using MailChimp and I hated it so much that I just like gave up on my email marketing altogether. And now I've got this new platform called Flowdesk and it's so beautiful and it's so easy to create. And now I'm like, I'm back in the email game and I've had like all these people subscribe this week. So I'm like super excited about that. And now I'm like, I feel like who I'm talking to actually want to hear from me. And then obviously that extra layer is your copy that comes with it, which is where you come in and it's your expertise. So I guess like with that, what are the best tips that you could give someone um, wanting to build their email marketing, but probably aren't amazing at copywriting or, you know, maybe want to level up in their copywriting, but they're not really sure where to start with that. Yeah. Um, I think it really depends on where they're at in their journey and what they're struggling with, but there's definitely some simple tips that everyone can try. Um, So personalization is really important. Um, If you're not using, you know, brackets name to put people's name into your Mm -hmm. subject lines or into your copy, um, then, then give it a try and see what impact it has on your stats and your rates. Um, Try to keep it natural and genuine. So sometimes what I see in emails is like, I've been thinking about you this week, Anna. Mm, yeah. You haven't. I know this is yeah. your email blast. So don't, it's not <laughs> genuine, you know. So just yeah. try to drop it in in a genuine way. It doesn't have to be dear, you know, no or hey name. You can drop the name in throughout the copy as well um and yeah try it on the subject line don't put it as every single subject in every single subject line because then that gets repetitive Mm. and obvious as well but just give it a try Um, one of the biggest things that i suggest to people is how is and one of the biggest things i say is how important it is to mix up your content Mm. and to um publish different send out different types of content in your emails so you know we're all different learners we all like to consume content in different ways you've got your details people who want to read the email top to bottom and get all of the information Um, and then you've got your scan readers who'll read the subject line and maybe the first line and then skim 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 all the way to the bottom and maybe read your ps so if all your emails are really long form stories then you might be missing that engagement that you could have with those skim readers. Um, If all your emails are like top three tips, bang, 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 then you might be missing some engagement factor with your, you know, want all the details learners. Um, So that's something to think about. The other thing too is that if you're always serving me up three tips for something, I'm going to get bored with that. Um, (laughs) I'm just, you know... It's just what happens. Um, so mixing it up a bit keeps it interesting for your audience too. And you don't have to be a great copywriter to try different formats. Um, I, I, I think it's a good idea to keep every email to one clear idea or theme mm. at a time. 
Um, I do some see some email newsletters at work that might have a client of the month and then some tips at the bottom and sort of mixing up content a little bit that way. But but I, I think for the most part, trying to keep one consistent idea so that you've got the focus of the reader. Um, don't be afraid to use calls to action more than once. Some people sometimes people need to see a call to action twice to take action, or even more times. So, um, yeah. you might provide yeah you might provide someone with a text link at the start of your email saying um, you might be interested in this free resource, and then they read a bit more, and then you get while they're reading they're thinking about that free resource, and then you offer it again at the bottom in a call to action button. And they, they go, oh, yeah, actually, that might be a good idea, even though they didn't click on it the first time. So that repetition mm -hmm. and that um, that making those calls to action obvious and, and serving them up a couple of times can work as well. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I would be saying if you're struggling with, consistency and frequency try curating some content or reusing some content go back over your old blog posts or your popular social media posts see what you can repurpose mm -hmm. um, sometimes we write really long social media posts or really long blog posts there might be three or four ideas in there that you could pull out to make three or four emails mm -hmm. um, and then the last thing is just to have a look at your data if your open rates are not so good then maybe work on your subject lines for a while um, if your click-through rates are not so good have a look at your call calls to action can you double them up can you put one in a PS can you try a button instead of a text link you know make some make some changes like that yeah really really good tips I've got so many ideas now for you know down the track but I, I think it it's really looking at what you're doing now, what's not working and what can you change for the future. And I think that's really important because we're always, you know, we might have a strategy in place and then we just like roll with it and then never analyze what it's actually doing. And I think we're all guilty of that. But I love yeah. the idea of um, one theme for your email newsletter, like a, a topic that you discuss, because I think we, we, you know, typically see a newsletter as, here's my new, my, my latest blog, here's my latest podcast because, I mean, I'm, this is what I do. And, like, you know, you might have a tip in there and whatever and then it's like, well, that's probably, like, a lot of information for someone. Whereas if you just have, like, one key theme and you just talk about that, um, who does it really well is um, Neil Patel. He's, a um, yep. like, really amazing marketer. He's a quite basic, just text, no, no design elements at all, but it's just one theme and that's it. And he links someone to a video that he's done, a blog he's done. I read every single one of his and I read the content that he directs me to. So it obviously works. Just having that theme, keeping it really basic um, yep. and then mixing it up. I like the idea of like having a different, you know, different mix of um, content and seeing what's working because I think, you know, with email newsletters, we can tend to stick to the format of sharing, you know, things all the time and then, it's not really, you know, getting, speaking to the people that, you know, really might need a whole email on just email marketing or yep. just, you know, whatever subject that looks like. So that's a really, really good tip. Very interesting. And like, obviously a lot of us are running through, you know, the standard, what we think an email newsletter looks like um, rather than focusing on topic. So I guess, you know, a lot of the things that happen when it comes to our email copy and our email marketing and sending out our newsletters is 
sometimes we, we won't be aware of this, but we'll end up in junk mail. So what are some of the strategies that you have to not end up in junk mail? I know there's like certain words that can't be used, all that kind of thing. So yeah. what are some strategies people can use? Yeah, so you, you hit you hit on one just then, um, avoiding trigger words. So you can Google um, junk mail trigger words or spam tri- email trigger words and you'll get a bunch of um, articles that will give you lists of words to try to avoid. But really the idea is um, not to make over-exaggerated claims about things. The best thing you've ever seen or, you know, you can't, just can't live without this type things that they will trigger spam filters. Um, the other things that can trigger spam filters are um, the other thing that spam filters look for is engagement with your emails. So it's kind of a little bit of a chicken and egg scenario. Like if you're not getting good open rates, <laughs> then then spam will say, oh, well, these people aren't opening your email. So so you must be spam for this person, um, which is great as a user because then emails that you don't open, you don't see in your inbox anymore because they go to spam, but it's not great for people who are wanting to improve. Um, so one of the tactics you can use to um, improve that is to clean up your list. So have a look at your people who aren't opening. Send them a really lovely email saying, you still interested? Don't make them feel bad about not opening your emails. Um, I hate those when I get those and they're like, are you even, <laughs> why don't, why aren't you opening my emails? Or, you know, it's just, if you're, that's okay. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to clog up your inbox if you um, yeah. aren't keen anymore. You can always find me over here or resubscribe. But if you're, if you'd like to, here's, oh, you know, yeah. here's, you can unsubscribe and really, I would um, I would encourage people to think about that as a good thing because then their list they know is engaged people that are going to <laughs> open their emails. You know, improving engagement in other ways like working on your subject lines, making them, giving them a hook, um, giving something teasy in your subject lines, making them really interesting um, so that people want to click through and open. There's also a little website that I found when I was doing prep for this podcast. It's isnotspam.com, so I-S-N-O-T spam.com, and you can put your email text into the field on this website and they will analyse it for you and tell you if it's going to trigger any of the more common spam filters. So that could be a really amazing um, good tool for people to know about yeah. to use. I know. I was like, oh. How good's that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So good. Yeah, I, I I think like with you know spam filters and and I love that idea of sending an email out to you know the people on your list that aren't opening because although we're scared to lose email subscribers, again if we go back and they're not aligned, then it's time to clean up. Um, you know I think a lot of businesses uh, tend to hold on to things for a little bit too long. And then you can spend time really like refining that list and, and, you know, providing them all with the value and the content that they need. So it's, it is a bit of a catch 22 because obviously to, you know, get, you know, out of spam filters or, you know, to make sure you don't end up in them to create that engaging content. So it's, it's really looking at, well, you know, what you can do to really trigger your audience. So 
there's some really awesome tips and I'll, um, I'll put that link to that website in the show notes so people can check that out. But that's awesome. That's really helpful. So going back to what we spoke about with um, email newsletters. So what are your thoughts around email newsletters? Obviously you're saying like if we are having too many topics in our emails, they're probably, and I think if you're just a thought, if you're like putting, you know, here's my latest blog, here's my latest podcast, it's kind of like only short snippets. It's not really, you know, giving much value. So what are, what are your thoughts around, you know, email newsletters? How often do you think, you know, works best for them to go out to people? What type of content should we looking, be looking at putting in them? I'm just curious to know some of the things that you do for, you know, email news, newsletters rather than just like email sequences. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I really, I think email newsletters are a really great idea and I think people should still be doing them. I think they're um, a really great tool for keeping you front of mind for your audiences that might not be ready to buy right now so that when they are ready to buy, you, you know, they think of you immediately because you've been in their inbox. But you're dead right when you, you need to be providing people with value. Um, so linking people off to latest blog latest podcast those kind of things I think they that content has a place Mm. but I would be thinking about taking it up to the next level and maybe having a look at your latest podcast and pulling out one thing from that podcast and talking about it in in detail giving Mm. it a new spin um putting some different thoughts around it to give that to people so they don't feel like they're just getting the same stuff that they can get on all your other channels. I think Mm. people really enjoy getting that feeling of exclusivity, Mm. like they're getting something that they can't get anywhere else because they're one of your VIPs on your email list. Mm. It's a privilege to be in people's emails and to have their attention. So um, that providing them with value is really important. Um, in terms of frequency, it really depends. I know that's a really annoying answer. No, um, no that's fine. <laughs> yeah, so it's about you know audience preferences and what your what your brand values are and how much content you have to share. So um, I know a photographer who had great results from increasing her emails to weekly. She used to do one long monthly email with lots of different things in there and now she's doing weekly with just one thing in each mm. email, maybe some links at the end. And she's had really great improvements in open rates and um, engagement. I know a business coach who is um, who gets really good results from her one long monthly email newsletter um she gives a great tool a free great tool for people to use a free exercise for people to use in each of those newsletters and she does like a client spotlight there's a pretty standard format but she gets really good engagement because she spends a lot of time and energy making that one email good quality mm. so uh, you know it's sort of it's sort of what fits you what you're able to do best Mm. as well what are you able to produce um what fits best with your schedule to be creating really good quality content it's a bit like social media you know I've been told I should be posting every single day um the thought of having to do that makes me want to die inside (laughs) 
<laughs> because all I would do is create social create media content. content and I can't and I'm not a content creation you know I have client work to do so I think you you know you have to think about your email newsletters in the same way mm. how frequently can you provide can you send them out with really good value content um, if you're doing them monthly and they're really long can you break them up into weekly um, and still provide value in every one but make it a single idea that's in each one you know is that a way that you could improve frequency I mean I, the data does back up more frequent emails are better um, in terms of engagement but I think you have to look at the whole picture yeah. and make the right decision for you and what you're able to achieve. Yeah, for sure. I'm just like nodding my head because it's just, you know, looking at your email, I'm just like thinking about people that I open frequently and, you know, what I really get value out of. And, you know, sometimes it's those really long ones where you've got like an exercise and that like exclusive feeling of being on that email list, like, it's kind of the same as if you had a Facebook group. So, you know, join my Facebook group and it's just all exclusive stuff in there. Your email list is the same. And I think, yeah. you know, we probably look at email as a little bit differently just, but it's really just a different platform. I think what you get in that email is the same as what you'd get if you joined a private Facebook group. It's that, yeah. you know, exclusive, you know, access to information that you wouldn't provide anywhere else. So I really like that idea and looking at it in that way. And I think if we look at our email marketing like that it's it'll give us more inspiration to create that content because it's that you know they've taken the time to subscribe to your email list they don't want to get you know all your um just all little bits and pieces thrown into one email because I know I do that because I get really rushed and then I'm like I need to do an email and I'll just like throw it in and then I have done like an email sequence where it's a lot more added value um but I know like my email newsletter as such is probably not as like doesn't have as much you know, exclusive um, content in it that I would like. So it's interesting to think about it in that way. And I think that will really help, you know, people listening today get an insight into what your email marketing should look like and feel a little bit more inspired to give it a bit of a refresh. I think we should always be looking at refreshing our content. That's why strategy is really important for that. Yeah. So yeah, going into, you know, um, email funnels and email workflow, um, I just want to get your thoughts around, you know, um, welcome sequences, um, kind of like, you know, getting people into the funnel, you know, what are your thoughts around like using email for this? And, you know, maybe some uh, little tips people could use to start a bit of a funnel, not so much for sales, but just for that, you know, marketing aspect of business. Yeah, I think a welcome email sequence is a really great idea. So your welcome sequence is when people subscribe to your um, list for the, for the first time, whether that's through a little form on your website or a freebie, you know, lead magnet that you might be giving away or whatever. Um, there's a really lovely opportunity there for you to um engage people and to build a connection with them and to get that initial opening of your emails happening if you can provide them with some value and give them some delight um, and engagement in those emails and they're more likely to continue opening your emails into the future as well. It also gives you an opportunity to introduce your brand and to talk about your values and do that kind of thing. Um, 
in terms of how many you should have, what the timing should be, all of that kind of stuff, um, I don't think there's a simple answer for, you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all. Again, it's one of those it-depends kind of questions. Um, but in terms of working out what a strategy might look like for a welcome email sequence, the way I go about it is to, to map out the ideal client or the audience where we know they are right now. How do they think? How do they feel? What do they know about the brand? What do they believe? Um, and then think about where we need them to be at the end of the funnel. So if the goal of the funnel is to um, have them engaging with the brand, like a welcome email sequence, or if the funnel is to have them buy something at the end of the funnel to you know, lead them onto a paid product, then what are the things we need them to know, believe and feel at the end of that sequence? And then you can start looking at the, the gap Okay, so what do they know now? What do they need to know? How do we start feeling, you know, what is the information that we have that can fill that gap? And when you have a look at what that information is, that gives you a really good idea in terms of how many emails you're going mm. to need, keeping in mind that you want to try to stick to one idea per email. I see a lot of sort of three to five email, five email kind of welcome sequences and they tend to work, you know, they tend to be fairly enough for a simple brand but if you've got complex processes or complex service mix then you might need more um yeah mm. yeah that's really good like I'm just you know I I recently redid mine and I listened to a couple of podcasts like the one you know where I found you on Sue Chadwick's pod and I got you know some really good insight into you know what that looks like um you know, you have your, what might be a free offer and then, okay, well, what do they need from that? So after they've got the free offer, obviously the next step is, you know, engaging with your brand and what you can offer and what you can provide through the information. And then obviously at the end, if it's your goal is to offer, you know, a product, it could be a low end offer or a high end offer with a low end offer as well, you know, to kind of draw them in if they might want to go to the top and pay for your, you know, biggest offer that you have or the lowest one where it's just, you know, something a little bit more affordable. So it's just, like you said, I really love that it's like, you know, map out your audience. I think we don't do that enough. We don't, um, we always just assume we know what our audience wants. And unless we were our audience, you know, in the past, you know, if, if we went on that journey the same as your audience will, it's really hard to understand exactly what they want. So that's why doing that research and mapping that out is, is really going to help with that strategy around that email sequence. So Thanks so much for saying that because I always talk about how important target audience is, um, especially yeah, when it comes absolutely. to all of our content because, you know, if we just make assumptions, we're creating content that we think our audience will like, not what they actually would like. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In terms of, so we spoke about a welcome sequence and a sales sequence. So how do we know, you know, is there a difference between the two Obviously, like our welcome sequence might have an offer in there. You know, in the future, do we do, you know, more sales funnels? What are the difference between the two with email marketing? Yeah. Um, so the difference is really just all about the goals. Mm. I think with your standard welcome email sequence, the main goal is to build a connection and nurture a relationship with your audience um, so that they continue to engage with your brand and open your emails. Um, a sales funnel, the goal is for the person to buy something at the end of it. So um, 
sometimes you might use your welcome email sequence in a sales funnel way to lead people to a paid product and there might be a mix of those things. I would definitely also be saying that in any sales funnel you are also doing connection building and relationship nurturing. So there is a real crossover between the two. But I think when we're talking about, you know, email sales funnels, the the main goal is selling something mm. and you and they've really come out of um they've really come out of sort of course launches and and offers mm. um you know maybe it's a new service offer or something like that and then you have a sales email sales funnel to mm. get people into that offer um but they can be used as a part of your everyday marketing yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's like what I find with marketing all the time and, you know, we've got, okay, free opt-ins and lead, mag- and lead magnets. We've got uh, welcome f- um, sequence and sales funnels and marketing funnels and sales funnels and, like, all of them, like, people's head just explode. But really, it's just, like, everyone just calls it something different or everyone, yeah. like, uses it in a little bit of a different way and we just give it another yeah. word and then everyone's like, what, what? So I always find, like, when I started working more in marketing, I was like, it's not as hard as I think, because most of the words kind of mean the same thing. Like I didn't know what a lead magnet was until like last year when I started my business. Cause like where the, you know, the marketing that I've done in the past for companies I've worked for haven't done lead magnets. They're like a service base. It's not like, you know, um, no real opt-ins. It's kind of like a physical business rather than an online business. So it's like all these words, people, you know, it's, and that's why it's so important to kind of break them down for everyone so that you know, if we're starting off our email sequence and we want to start our email marketing, we're not like, well, where do I even begin? So yeah, that was a really good and way I, of breaking it down. Yeah, and I think when you're thinking about any kind of sequence or funnel, so I spoke about before, um, you know, where, do pe- where are people at the start and where do they need to be at the end for your or whatever the goal of your funnel or your sequence is. But really the way you think about a sequence or a funnel is like stepping stones or building blocks mm. yeah so how do each of the emails lead naturally to to the next one for the for the logical um journey that your person mm. your audience is going to take to reach the end point that you want them to reach so that might be an email sequence that might be a full sales funnel that has all different channels you, you know that you're considering that are going into it um yeah yeah yeah, no, it's it's just like just depends, you know, it's all about really understanding the goal and that's why having goals and objectives are so important for any form of strategy. So I think, you know, when we're taking it back to the basics of starting our email marketing, it's what are the goals and what, what do you want to achieve out of every different sequence? And I think that will really help, you know, um, the listeners kind of gauge, you know, what kind of content they're going to put in those funnels as well. So, yeah, that's a really interesting concept. Um, so I've just got a quick question and I've just had a couple of people, you know, talking about email marketing. So I've got a couple of people, you know, send me some questions and some of them were in terms of your um, email sequence, when do you say, say you're doing a bit more personal branding or it could be business branding, it could be a brand or a personal brand. Where do you recommend they actually introduce themselves and their story? Like I've heard a lot of things as well. Like, you know, you might do it at the very beginning or you might do it at the end. Like, oh, by the way, hi, this is who I am. This is what I do. I know obviously it depends on if it's a personal brand or, a you know, business 
where, where do you stand on that in terms of like introducing yourself to your audience? Yeah, I don't think there's any specific wrong or right way to do it. What I would be um, encouraging people to think about is what are your audience's most immediate concerns? So what do they need to know, think, feel, believe mm -hmm. right now? Um, that's going to give you insight into the hierarchy and the prioritization of your messages. So, for example, if you're a business coach and your audience's biggest concern is whether you have shoddy practices like some other coaches they've heard about, then mm. maybe introducing yourself up front, highlighting your values, talking about your background and your expertise and your credibility is something that you want to do first. Like that might be something that comes first up. If you're a jewellery maker and your audience's biggest concern is about whether your necklaces are gold-plated and are going to wear down quickly or leave, like, green marks on your fingers, then maybe your first email isn't about introducing your brand. Maybe it's talking about the quality of the, you know, how, how you make your products and the quality of them and what they're made of and that they're, you know, pure gold or whatever it is that you mm. do and then you introduce yourself later in the funnel once you've dealt with those more immediate concerns from your audience yeah if yeah. you're like a VA and your time management is your um, biggest concern for for your audience and giving them some tips first up that they can implement quickly to to build that trust in to see your knowledge and expertise and to build trust in what you're doing you know maybe you want to give them a free daily planner up front as your value add piece and then talk about your experience you know somewhere in the middle might work um it really does depend on where your audience is at and what their concerns are yeah that's really interesting because like you know it's it just really as we come back every single time to what your audience needs and that's what you know, one of the key messages for any form of marketing is what do your audience need? And I think we get so lost in that because we have all these amazing ideas, but if we just like take a step back, what does our audience need? And then I think that really, it's just like taking on that persona of your audience. And, you know, if you do your market research and market research is like as simple as, you know, asking your, your clients you've got now or asking your community what do they need from you? So it's really interesting. I think it's it's really good that all the themes that keep coming up is audience intent and user experience. Yeah. So Yeah, in, absolutely. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And and I and if you don't have an audience already, there are ways to, you know, the social listening, yeah. jump on business um, Facebook groups. I do look for Amazon or reviews or re look in Reddit forums. Mm. Um, Ask people, you know, you don't need to have an audience to start to do. Look at other yeah. service providers or other, look at your competitors. What mm. are the testimonials and the case studies that they're using on their websites? What are the things that people are coming up with time and time again? You know, that information is out there to give you a starting point to have a look at. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the key struggles when we first start in business is, but I don't have an audience yet. But there's so many tools out there. Like I first started, you know, posting polls on on Facebook groups, um, you know, like entrepreneurial groups, um, women in business groups, and really getting that insight into what people need. So there's so much out there now. Like, can you imagine trying to do market research, you know, when the internet wasn't around? Like, so much harder. Like, phone yeah. calls and, you know, oh, my God, I couldn't even imagine it. Um, so obviously you touched on this a little bit before in terms of um, 
on um, long form emails. So um, I just like want to get, you know, your take. Obviously, you said it really mix it up between um, long and short. But, you know, I think a lot of us are almost like, I don't want to write long form emails because it takes me too much time. You know, it's a lot of energy. What are your thoughts around, you know, those long form emails? Yeah, I, I mean, they work, but they need to be good mm. to keep people reading. They need to be engaging and the copy needs to be really good to, to pull people along through the content. Mm. Um, and and the tone needs to be really yeah, engaging and conversational to be able to achieve that. So they do work in terms of engagement. Um, I think there are a bunch of stats around um, engagement with long form emails. But there's a there's a saying in copywriting or in writing in general, I can't remember who said it, but it's take only as many words as you need to express the thing you need to express. So if you're telling a story and you're using storytelling as your platform in your email um, to, to, to talk about who you are or to sell an idea, then don't go don't go skimpy on the details you know use the details don't be afraid of long form to draw people in if you're sending a cart abandon email or your you know top three tips on something then maybe it only needs to be a couple of lines and it doesn't need to be super long if you're going to put the effort into long form emails where else can you use the content can you pull out a couple of snippets to put on social media and then spook your email list mm. um you know for more yeah. of this you want, yeah. Do you want more of this? Join my email to see the whole thing. How can you always think about um, if you're putting a lot of effort into one platform, how can you reuse that content elsewhere yeah. and repurpose that content so that you'll, yeah, so you're being efficient <laughs> with your time because, yeah, we're not content generating machines. Um, yes. And if you do do long form emails, you know, try to make them scannable if you're able to use bullet points and headings, if it's more a storytelling format and bullet points won't work, um, can you bold any bits of um, copy so that you're yeah. getting those skin readers still engaging with parts of your email and getting the general gist of what you're talking about? Um, yeah, great yeah. tips. Great, great tips. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, like, I love what you said about, you know, repurposing because I'm big on repurposing, I guess, like, you know, we don't have to be creating content for every platform. Everything, like, doesn't have to be unique. Like, I think a lot of people stress when they're like, oh, like, like you said before, do I have to, you know, show up on Instagram every single day? It's like, you know, where you can really start repurposing and using that content to, you know, filter through. But I love that idea around generating people to your email list by, you know, spruiking them with, like, really valuable tips. Because I think we all like oh how do I get people to join my list obviously a free offer is um a really good idea but in saying that the free offer has to be aligned to what people need so doing the research and asking them what they want before creating all this content and then no one wants it so I think that's a really awesome way to you know really draw people in um so I think we all should be thinking about how we can use our other channels to generate people to our email list and that can be you know providing them little snippets about you know what that email sequence and what that email marketing techniques could look like so people yeah. will be like I need to join so and yeah and I think if we're thinking about it in terms of exclusivity and you know you're a VIP and you get the exclusive content that's in the email then is your email the hub 
you know, the central place for your content rather than being the newsletter that's linking off to everywhere else. Um, and does all your, con you know, or the majority of your content sort of spin out from your email? You know, if you are a savvy small business owner and you have email marketing, in, you know, social media, um, your website, maybe you've got a blog going, it's a lot going on if you're trying to create different content for all your channels all the time and keep it all consistent and frequent. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah, it's about being smart about, maybe choosing one channel that is your is your core platform is the backbone of your core platform um yeah the backbone of your content and then making everything else work around that i am just i have lost my mind right now because i say this every single episode of my podcast <laughs> i swear have a poor, have a core piece of content and then repurpose throughout all your other channels that is like my key message for everyone like mine is my podcast I create a blog based on that podcast and it's pretty much just exactly what's been spoken about in that podcast and then all my socials complement the messaging in my podcast so there you go now I've got all these ideas that my email will be on the topic of my podcast with you know a little bit more you know some different like you said one element from that podcast like not the whole thing just like a key learning so I'm sure everyone's having like so many ideas their brains are exploding but it just all makes so much sense it doesn't have to be like you know you don't have to be producing bits of content for your newsletter and then bits of content for your podcast like it, it all needs to talk because otherwise always fine you get super overwhelmed if there's too much content going on in different platforms because you're like what do i need to prioritize right now if you're saying seo is really good and email marketing is really good and um instagram's awesome and then you talk about like i'm just going like my business for example is content marketing and it's like, okay, well, where do I need to start? Do I start on this platform because this is what they've spoken about here? Do I start? So it gets a little bit too much. So I love that you said that so much. <laughs> Brownie points. <laughs> yes, so, so good. Um, so I just wanted to, before we kind of start wrapping up, um, I want to get your insight into, you know, your thoughts around um, talking about, so say, for instance, you're a personal brand, talking about your personal life. And then if you're a big business, maybe talking about internal, you know, the internal aspects of the business. Do you think this works now? Um, are people, do you find people really enjoy reading those personal stories, whether it's about um, Bob in sales who's done something awesome or whether it's, you know, me as my own brand talking about maybe my struggles with something, maybe using coronavirus as an example, my internal struggles with coronavirus at the moment. What are your thoughts around using personal stories in email marketing yeah I think they can be really um, compelling and really I think they can be really good to use um, people want to do business with people they want to buy from people they don't want to buy from a faceless brand so getting personal and sharing who you are is a really great way to build a genuine human connection with people um, if you can provide people with something that's super relatable um, that's that's a really quick way to build that connection and that engagement. Um, but context is key. I, I think, again, you don't want every single email coming out being about that time that you you're, you got an ingrown toenail, you know. <laughs> um, too much information and, you know, maybe a little bit gross and also if every single email is about that, 
it starts to feel like a dear diary yeah and not about providing value for your audience yeah um you probably want what you're talking about to be at least tangentially related to how you operate as a business or who Mm. you are or how you show up for your customers they don't all have to be about how that one time I had an ingrown toenail taught me to be a better business person sometimes I find those emails that like (laughs) try to twist a personal story into a business lesson a little bit Um, yeah a little bit patronizing or a little bit sort of forced they feel a bit forced um making something out of nothing Yeah, if it's there, go for it. If it's not there and it's just a personal story that demonstrates who you are and how you show up in the world, I think go for that too. Try to mix it in. Try to think about your providing value for your audience in that email. Um, Don't be a dick. Don't name and shame bad business associates or colleagues or, you know, people in your team. Respect the privacy of your friends and family. (laughs) If it's an issue that you're still working out, you know, an emotional issue or a personal issue or something's going on in your life, I would say leave it out of the public domain until you're out the other side and can see the situation with the clarity of hindsight. Um, But, yeah, I I think this is a hurdle for people is being personal um and being genuine and showing up as themselves to the audience and they and i think there is a real fear that people won't like mm. people might not like me um if i show up and i speak in my real voice or if i am you know talk about this story and i get vulnerable I might lose subscribers. Mm. But for all the people that you lose and that you turn off, the people that like what you have to say and who you are and they are out there, they are out there. Mm. They will like you even more. They will trust you and feel connected with you even more for knowing who you are. So um, I think doing that doing that, and, and practising that and showing up yeah you start you start to get that Mm. you start to see that um and it's just about getting over that first hurdle of putting yourself out there and maybe being a little bit vulnerable and and it takes practice like you know being like in a community of people that are from everywhere around the world or have very different opinions to probably what you haven't been exposed to before from you know your local community it's it's tough but we get to decide, you know, how much of our lives we show. We get to decide, you know, what we talk about. And I, I love what you say about, you know, putting, um, we want to, you know, when we're dealing with a business, we want to deal with that person, not, you know, that logo. And I think that's what, you know, makes us human. And at the end of the day, if our life intention is to have connection, because that's all the only, like, that's what we crave is connection then as a business, you get to choose how you connect with people and that has to be authentically to you because if you're trying to show up for someone else, that's draining. Like that's, you're not going to love doing that and that's why you're not going to be writing the most, like you're not going to be writing emails anymore. You're not going to be showing up on socials because you're not being you. It's not natural. When it's natural, it's easy. So I love, you know, I really love what you've said about that and I think a lot of people can really have a think about 
And I, I mean, I had to do this too. I think when I first started my business, I was trying to be a little bit of a bit of an authority because I wanted to be professional. But at the same time, I'm not very professional. Like even at work, I'm just like, you know, in my full-time job, I'm very relaxed. I'm very, you know, that's just who I am. I'm not like, you know, super formal. So I don't know why I was trying to be like that in my business. And it's just actually asking your question, asking yourself the question, am I being me? And I think that's what makes copywriting and content writing so much easier when you say, okay, am I being authentic to my brand or to who I am? And I think once you answer that question, writing isn't as daunting because we find our own voice. Yeah. 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 And I think it's, and I really do think it takes practice, Mm -hmm. especially if you're used to writing in a certain style as well. Before I was a copywriter, I worked in um, government and before Mm -hmm. that I was at a big four bank and I was so used to really, really formal, professional language. It took me a while to find Mm -hmm. my voice. Um, I've actually told people to go back and scroll to the beginning of my Instagram feed and to the beginning of anyone's Instagram feed that you enjoy connecting with and have a look at their early posts. Unless they've (laughs) rebranded, which some have, um, I I bet you, or they've taken early embarrassing content down, I bet you those early posts feel a bit like somebody... trying to find out who they are and yeah. practicing it takes time and it takes yes. practice but the more you put yourself out there and the more you um deepen into your voice um yes. the easier it does it becomes incredibly easy and fulfilling because when you get people liking what you're saying or responding to your emails they're responding to who you are mm-hmm. um and what you have to say and it's so much more fulfilling i think yeah, absolutely. And I think like I could talk to you for hours about this because it's just it's just practice. It, and, you know, I was saying, like I say to a lot of um, my audience, when I first started, <laughs> I was like, oh, I know I've got to post. As you say, people say you've got to be consistent. So I'd post a picture of a flower and I'd put like this quote to it and it had nothing to do with my business and had nothing like I liked the quote, but, you know, I probably didn't really say what I thought about it. I just like what I people I assume people would want me to think about it in terms of how I analyze that quote not what I actually think and you just feel so disconnected and you don't want to show up and I think you know it's just one of those things where it's not going to happen overnight and there'll be times like you and I you know in five years time we'll be like oh wow like I, I you know when I thought I was connected I really wasn't it just always takes time and there's still times where I think I think I need to be more me and it's like it just happens over time but then of course like you you want the parts of you to be you offline as well you know think about you know what are the types of people like what are the types of personality traits you have that you don't want to have online and that's okay too I think if people get a bit like oh my god if I have to be me like I want to be me but there's some things I can't say that's like that's fine too like it's just picking you know what you're comfortable with as well absolutely Yeah, so before we wrap up, I just want you to tell everyone where they can find you so they can look at your first Instagram post. Um, But um, where are you hanging out? Like where do you you like to show up? Um, Just, yeah, share where people can find you. Yeah, um, I hang out on Instagram a lot. So my handle on Instagram is at Anna Rogan Writer, um, all one word. 
Um, people can also find me at anarogan.com. I have my own email list coming soon, <laughs> like the plumber um, with leaky pipes. <laughs> um, but I'm working on that now and some oh, awesome resources and freebies. But I'll be talking about that on, you know, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. So as I build out more of my um, free stuff and resources, I will be uh, sharing them on there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I think, you know, it's always, you know, we, we sometimes we get caught up in our client work, like, oh, business development, business development. So yes, yes. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, but yeah, thank you so much um, for joining the show. And I know so many people get a lot out of starting to build their email marketing and when their marketing email marketing list is at over a thousand people, they can thank you for all the amazing tips that you gave. So thank you so much. You're welcome. How amazing was Anna? She had so much knowledge. Um, it was such a good interview. And now, like, I'm more excited than ever to start my email marketing. So many interesting tips to use in there. You know, like, to sum up, subject line is so, so important. Your copy needs to speak to people. It needs to be personal. You know, all those amazing things that Anna just spoke about. Um, you know, what were your your favorite tips? Come over to socials and tell us and tag us at Contoink at content queen underscore Mariah and at Anna Rogan writer. Um, you know, show us your pretty new emails that you've done. Hot tip. I actually use Flowdesk. It is incredible. Um, I'll put the link below for 50% off if you want to sign up. Um, amazing. I, I freaking love it. And I actually like doing emails now because of it. I hated doing emails with MailChimp. No offense to any MailChimp lovers or whatever you might be. I just, it just didn't resonate with me. I've really found it's hard to hard to use and now like with segments and like email sequences uh, Flowdesk is beautiful to do to look at and also beautifully easy to use before I wrap up a couple of things I want to mention I have my blog post out from last week about how to communicate ethically and how to market um, efficiently and ethically so check that one out if you need any tips in this time um, I really liked researching that one and I think what I produced was quite useful um, my event coming up, as I spoke about, I'll put, you know, the link below. You can check it out. I've also got the birthday bundle to go with it um, where you get some one-on-one -on -one time with me to really look at your strategy. But um, before I go, remember, and especially at this time, be a content queen or king and remember developing your content develops your business more than ever right now. Thank you so much for joining me today and please don't forget to share this with all your freelancer, business and writer friends. You can do this by adding it to your Insta stories and tagging me at contactqueen underscore Mariah or by just telling them about it while social distancing. If you rate and review on whatever platform you're listening to this on, it'll go a long way into getting the podcast out there so I can share my message to inform and educate around content marketing and how to market your business effectively and ethically. Follow me on Instagram, connect with me on LinkedIn, but let me know if there's any topics you want me to talk about in the future, um, especially in this time while you're trying to up-level your business a little bit more. There might be some things that you want to know more about. So please hit me up with a message. Let me know. Look after yourself. Be safe. Hashtag be kind. Please be kind. And um, I will talk to you guys next week. Okay. And hopefully, you know, things start to calm down very, very soon. Just be patient and just do what you can to help others. Okay. Bye, guys.